and welcome to The Hearing. I'm John. And from Chicago's north side, I am Scotto. And before we get to this week's album, just want to quickly congratulate Wetleg on their Grammy wins. They won Best Alternative Album. Definitely the right choice. It's and so rare that I'm happy for an Emmy winner. <laughs> or Emmy. Grammy winner. <laughs> Emmy. Grammy. I haven't cared about the Grammys since probably the 90s. Um, didn't watch, didn't really care. And next morning, yeah. I've, because I follow that leg on all of the social media, I saw that they won. I'm like, oh, that I should have watched. Um, they also won for Best Alternative Performance for Chaise Long, the first time that category was presented. And thank God they did not win Best New Artist because... Exactly. They were nominated. Yeah, they were nominated for Best New Artist. They narrowly escaped the kiss of death. Yeah. Congrat- again, congratulations, Wetleg. Well-deserved. Also want to plug uh, a new EP that I just released uh, called Allons-y. Yes, I got that from Doctor Who. <laughs> it's the name of one of the tracks. Um, three songs, uh, about 10 minutes long. Uh, I've decided I'm going to do EPs from now on. Well, you know, even though we're doing a show about albums, the album's kind of dead. <laughs> well, I've been debating album versus singles for a while. Because if you just put out individual songs, they're all singles. And I kind of feel like they all have to be the single. Mm. It's, a, it's a bit of pressure. But I've written like 12 songs since releasing my album in August. And I don't want to have to wait, you know, a year to release a new album. <laughs> so I'm just uh, going to trickle out three or four songs at a time every month or two. Well, have you heard about what Peter Gabriel's doing for his latest album? Hmm. have you or no no he's um he's releasing a song every full moon each month oh nice and uh it's the whole album is going to be called io and uh he releases a new song at the full moon and then a remix of that on the new moon oh nice nice so he's putting out something every two weeks um, and one's like the bright side remix and one's the dark side mix. Nice, nice. So he's had this thing about being bipolar. Uh-huh. Like he, he even like his fan club, I think is even called the full moon club where he, do, he would do a, a post every month. And now he's decided, yeah, that's how he's going to put out his album. I don't know how far <laughs> we're into the year we're going to go with this, but we're at <laughs> two tracks already. Right. Anyway. I don't see it's on Bandcamp, Spotify, probably lots of other things by now. I haven't been keeping track. Those two relevant links are in the show notes. On to this week's album, which is from 1977, Marky Moon by Television. Of course, this is our Tom Perlian tribute. He passed away recently. Television was an American rock band based in New York City and considered to be a significant influence in the development of punk and alternative rock. Although they recorded in a stripped-down guitar-based manner similar to their contemporaries, television music was by comparison clean, improvisational, and technically proficient, drawing influences from jazz and 60s rock. Marky Moon is the band's debut album. It was released on February 8, 1977 by A&R Recording, produced by Andy Johns and Tom Verlaine, and features Tom Verlaine on lead vocals, guitar, and keyboards, Richard Lloyd on guitar and vocals, Fred Smith on bass, guitar, and vocals, and Billy Fecka on drums. Um, Verlaine and Lloyd split the guitar solos. I don't have who played what in my notes, but that's on Wikipedia. 
Okay, that makes a lot of sense because some of these solos, like, wait, things just kind of change in the middle of the solo. I, I like, loved every fiddly guitar on this album. They're both <laughs> in, are, were incredible. Reminder, I don't edit any songs into our reviews for copy reasons, but on our blog at John Scuttle, you'll find links to Marquee Moon on Spotify and YouTube so you can follow along if you'd like. Track one, See No Evil. Love the groove on this one. Great bass tone. Love the counterpoint between the two guitars. Oh, everything on this is about the groove and the riff. Mm. You know, <laughs> I, I, I kind of wish it was mixed a bit differently. I know Verlaine really wanted this loud guitar, you know, over everything else. But mm. there's so much going on that, that you know, the guitar kind of buries. I didn't have a problem with picking at the bass. I don't have any notes or drums. I don't have notes on this one, but I do on later songs. Yeah. Um, it like, took me a couple listens to pick up what was going on, though. Hmm. I love Verlaine's voice. It's raw but precise. He reminds me a bit of Byrne in that sense. Oh, God, yeah. Like, how... I, I was trying to look up stuff about the relationship between the two bands. Because... Same year. Uh, first album this is their first album talking heads first album was the same year right. 77 and they're playing in the club around yeah, the same time in new too. york um they're prob- both playing cbgbs mm-hmm. so, so very similar sounds um and i think the talking heads come back to some of these like you even hear the sound on like fear of music mm-hmm. like a year or two after they've uh disbanded i think even uh. Love how the solo climbs at the start. This was a huge influence on 80s alternative. Well, I was thinking the clash took a lot from this. <laughs> Them too. <laughs> Only, of course, yeah, Tom has so much of a better singing voice. Mm-hmm. I don't get the punk label that they've had. Uh, I think that was kind of my problem going in, like going, who the fuck would call this punk? <laughs> I think maybe because alternative didn't exist yet. Yeah, yeah, and it was brash guitar music with this shouted vocal. Right, it's it's his singing style that that I the only thing I could think of the punk. It's almost like they invented emo, (laughs) like thirty years before it existed. Right. (laughs) Well, emo forty years before it existed. Came out of punk, so yeah. And these guys, ah, was is this late enough to be called post punk? They call it post-punk. And I was like, how could it be post-punk when they're still like, in, like yeah. very early on? Right. Yeah, true. I guess punk had only <laughs> existed for a year or two. Like a year or two. <laughs> but uh, I'll never forget, like, it was one of the, my students, like a kid that mm-hmm. was tell- explaining to me what emo was when I asked. Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, it's like punk, but it's emotional. <laughs> I was like, you do realize punk it's quite emotional. Just it's yes. mostly anger. Well, that's the thing. <laughs> is it a, punk is at very angry music, which is kind of its whole point. Emo it, kind emo of expands it to yeah, whining essentially. Yes. It's whiny punk. Um, yes. And I, I say that kind of liking emo, but yeah, it's whiny <laughs> punk. Um, but yeah, this riff and the, the solo in the outro, fucking crazy. <laughs> when we reviewed um, Remain in Light at the end of last year, yeah. We talked about how Talking Heads were kind of the nexus of alternative and new wave. I feel like they started new wave, television started alternative. 
could be yeah i mean i uh, there's so many alternative bands that i was thinking while listening to this like mm-hmm. oh, wow they really took this to heart yeah because alternative you know gets credited as being as being an offshoot of punk but i i think it it, it doesn't really sound like punk. it never sounded like punk to me it sounds like this and it's really strange about this is none of this was commercially accessible for the time no no however this was very easy to for other bands to duplicate this sound uh-huh. you know Where, whereas talking heads is really tough to duplicate <laughs> well it's difficult in different ways yeah um, talking heads it's the it's rhythmically complicated right um it's the the difference is Tina. Well, exactly. I, I was watching yeah, a video about iconic bass players recently on YouTube, and he, the guy who made the video specifically pointed out like two note bass lines he did not include once in a lifetime. He didn't include any Tina. Oh, and I'm like, Tina Weymouth is a, an absolute legend. Yeah, <laughs> one of the yeah. greatest bass players of all time. She's why Talking Heads is difficult. The guitars in this are difficult. Right. How many sounds, how many songs of this, you know, had Pearl Jam kind of taken and ran with? <laughs> but they, when they tried to do one Talking head song, yeah. it was so jarring <laughs> with a gigaton. Well, again, Talking Heads, you need those funk drops. Yes. You know. There, there's so much playfulness to it. There's so much choppiness to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is a lot more melodic. This is more straight ahead musically, although there's some really complicated drum parts later I'll get into. Yeah. Um, the guitar parts, again, very contrapuntal, very intricate. You know, this, that's what makes this these songs difficult. Anyway, on to track two, Venus. Love how the guitars complement each other. Um, like how the opening riff just kind of goes sideways. <laughs> and there's this great kind of baroque guitar part in the verse, some great gang vocals. I hear a lot of Tom Petty in this one. Right. There's a lot of rock that will become mainstream that mm-hmm. they're doing here, like maybe three or four years from now. Yeah. Like like, they're just that far ahead of their time. Tom Petty's debut album was a year before this. I don't think oh, okay. he influenced them. I think nah. they were probably just pulling from a common influence. And the chorus of this one really doesn't work for me, honestly. The gang, like the huhs, <laughs> but it's this, this would probably be one of the weaker ones. But I won't take it for weakest. I like how it plays with timing, and there's some great volume swells in the chorus. Oh, um, musically, it's brilliant. I yeah. think, you know, sometimes they need to get into a little bit more variation in the songs. It feels like they go mm-hmm. on, they they stick to the riff a little too. <laughs> I said, heavy. I said chorus. I mean solo, the guitar solo. There's some great yeah. volume swells. Um, okay. Track three, Friction. This was almost my pick for favorite. Love the opening riff. Love everything. with this one is for strongest. Love everything about the lead guitar. It's a yeah. great angry vocal. Love the guitar stabs on the right. Great snare sound. Love the melodic bass in the pre-chorus. Kind of this flamenco thing going on. Mm. It's just, it's just perfect. <laughs> Track four, Marquee Moon. This is my pick for weakest. I knew that was coming. Um, <laughs> I was exactly, and I'm pretty sure I can pick yours. And I, I was like, 
when I'm listening to it, I'm like, yeah, this is going to be Scott's and you, you're going to know that Marky Moon is mine. Um, it's just too fucking long. It's 10 minutes. I'm like, this is where I got to the point of going, wait a minute. I kept seeing punk. I've heard, I've listened to this album before, but uh, I didn't really come back to it. Cause it's not, it's not really an accessible album at all. You know, you've really got to like, listen to this a few times be- to get into it. I feel aside and, from the title track and one other song, this is my first time hearing all of it. And I first, absolutely loved it. They fucking put this out as their first single, by the way, wonder why this album didn't commercially succeed. <laughs> The ten-minute song. If that guitar solo in Marky Moon was cut down by like three minutes, <laughs> maybe four, it would be a perfect album for me. Um, when they got to this point, and I kept thinking, "Wait a minute, why would they call this punk? This is sound. This sounds like a Santana song." Yeah, <laughs> um, I love the syncopation in the verse riff. Love the groove. <laughs> I forgot I wrote this in my note. Man, John's gonna hate this. <laughs> well, I was fine with it. I liked the first like five minutes. I, my next note is: How have I not given these guys a chance before now? But then I hit. It's kind of ballsy to do this with your audience when mm-hmm. prog was a dirty word. But these yeah. guys wanted to be prog. <laughs> Concerned. I mean, they did a lot of interesting things with timing as well. Yes. Um, love the riff leading into the chorus. Nice variable timing in the chorus. The first guitar solo, the reasonable one, is great. The second one is just too long and meandering. <laughs> it doesn't need to be this long. And it's all just that fucking guitar solo. I can't imagine people coming in expecting, like, the Ramones or something and getting mm. this. Oh, no. <laughs> just to, what the fuck this had to be, you know? Um, I saw a little story on Wikipedia, I think it was, how they did this in one take, wow. and the drummer thought it was just a rehearsal. <laughs> <laughs> Old studio so, track. So he's like, hey, let's try this one again. And Verlaine was just, nah, it's fine. <laughs> Old studio track. Tell them you're not recording and have them play it like like it's just a run through. They'll nail it. <laughs> So yeah, I, I and I also see the huge influence from this song mm-hmm. uh, on Ted Leo. You know, oh. I mean, totally was going for. I think he even did something similar to this, but nowhere near this long. <laughs> I stopped paying attention about halfway through that long solo, but that ascending part at the end caught my attention again, and and I like the kind of shimmery, chirpy guitar after that. They do a couple false endings. This is like you know, there's like a. On the original release, there's like a more a little shorter version, but it's still almost ten minutes. The guitar sounds throughout this album are just amazing. Yeah. Track five, elevation. Love the interplay between the two guitars and the bass in the beginning. Some really nice hi hat work. He bounces the stick, gets this like perfect trip triplet, just as he's hitting the snare. So he couldn't have been two hands. Um, What's the drummer's name again? Billy Fekka. Fekka Fucking yeah. amazing. I, I really liked this one a lot. I, you know what? I was kind of on the fence until like this one. You know, mm-hmm. this one like might have put me over it. Um, 
just how far ahead they were. Like, this is a Blue Oyster Cult song, pretty much. (laughs) Like, four years later, though. Right. You know, I'm burning for you. Mm -hmm. Love the melodic bass. Nice dramatic chorus with some interesting timing choices. Great melodic solo, and I love that little slowdown at the end. Track six, Guiding Light. The only one not written by Verlaine himself. It was co-written by Richard Lloyd. I'm going for weakest on this one. (laughs) The ballad. I think it's a nice spot for a ballad. Oh, it is. But I don't think ballads were his thing. (laughs) It's got a nice spacious arrangement. The piano is a nice change of pace. I'm sure there were keyboards at other points. I just didn't clock them. Oh, definitely. But everything's so low in the mix if it wasn't a guitar. Even Mm. vocals were kind of lower in the mix. Liked the line, uh, never the rose without the prick. This is a very Lou Reed kind of song. It's like a heavier version of Reed. I hear a lot of Reed on this as well. Like I think Velvet Underground were a big influence on these guys. Oh, totally. I feel like this is the bridge, this song in particular, the bridge between like classic rock and alt rock. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. This is th- this whole album is that bridge. If you're looking for the missing link, yeah, there it is. Because you know, post punk is usually like Elvis Costello, Joe Jackson, Graham Parker, Angry Young yeah. Man sort of thing. Yeah, and that was a factor in alternative. Those always got me as like a you know alternate Elton John kind of thing. Yeah, you know? that influenced alt rock, but it wasn't like the big influence. Yeah, and. I was I always had trouble of see, seeing the, the you know connection between Talking Heads and like REM. <laughs> I never quite grasped that. And now I see why these guys were the yeah. connection from the classic rock arena, rock seventies bullshit to you know REM. Just as an example of like the flagship eighties alt rock band, they were very close to that alt, alt arena rock bullshit themselves. They just were playing it in a smaller venue. <laughs> but there was a missing link that i never saw yeah I'm, I'm picking rem as an example just because when i think 80s alternative i think rem because think of how close this was to like boston you know not, not the city the band oh yeah, yeah definitely definitely <laughs> well, when, oh when you said they before you were talking about television yeah television yeah. Like this whole album, you could hear, like if if it's a if this was more slickly performed and then mm. recorded, and the vocals were like, you know, ran through again and again, uh, mm-hmm. it would be a Boston record. Yeah, with with I mean, um, I can't think of Brad Welp um, from Boston. Ama- Brad Delp, sorry, amazing voice, um, amazing technical singer. Um, yeah, Berlin, very different. Amazing right. in his own right. That's the difference, really. Yeah. It's just the singer. Um, but they definitely took, you know, the seventies arena rock thing, corporate rock thing, and just twisted it. Yeah, and and gave just it a raw version of it. Pushed it past where it was, and kind of gave a lot of those eighties bands something to grab onto. Yeah, who kind of were over punk didn't want to play punk but didn't want to be typical rock bands they just kind of took this and ran with it um one last note on guiding light that the arpeggios in the bridge were beautiful track seven prove it love the harmonics in the beginning the nice clicky rim shots another point where where billy fika just blows me away 
Um, love the bass line, like the stops and starts in the chorus. A great lead guitar. Kind of like this tango. I really, really like this one a lot. It might have gone on mm-hmm. a touch too long, mm-hmm. but it's it's a kick-ass song. Like how the drums develop in the second verse. The solo is amazing, and I really like the ending. And finally, Torn Curtain. This is my pick for favorite. Yeah, this was up there for me, too. This is pretty much a prog song, really. Yeah, yeah. Um, love the drums in the beginning. Again, Billy Fick is incredible. Should be on like some of the best drummers of all time lists. Mm. I've never seen him on those lists. Um, great call and response between the piano and the guitar. Love the vocal melody. Great dramatic riff going into the chorus. Like the harmonics in the second verse. Love the spicy harmony between the lead guitar and the rhythm guitars. Um, it's just... I don't know if they're in different keys. It's just there's something that doesn't sit right, but it doesn't sit right in a really interesting way. <laughs> uh, it hit me on like the second listen of it, who they really sound like, especially this song. Mm. The, this is George Harrison, you know? Okay, I'm getting all like, of Harrison. I'm getting... Even like the singing style, kind mm. of, too, because Harrison wasn't the greatest of singers, but he really emoted so well. Yeah. This also and, reminds me of I'm Going Home from Rocky Horror. Oh, I was thinking While My Guitar Gently Weeps. They've got a similar vibe. Yeah, and especially like the way the solo plays out and everything <laughs> at the end. And it, it is very of its time, but it, it is, you know, it's I won't call it prog, but it is that sort of more evolved rock. I, I think they are clearly a prog band <laughs> trapped in a punk scene. Like everybody else is playing punk and expecting them to play punk, but they wanted to play prog. And then, so they, they went with this. <laughs> well, it was more of like jazz. I mean, gang, jazz was a big influence on a lot of prog. Of course. Um, it was basically either classical or jazz. Um, I mean, anytime you're, yeah, anytime you're bringing jazz into a rock band, though, I mean, you, yeah, it's you're prog. talking prog. Or it's fusion. Um, yeah. Which, and fusion is basically prog. It's, it's just. Thing. <laughs> it's prog that leans more jazz than like rock. Are we saying Brand X and, and Zappa, yeah. you know, over at Prague? Oh, I'm thinking like Morel de Mule. Oh, yeah, yeah, him too. Whether he's Prague or, or Fusion, it's, 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 yeah. it's all kind of a debatable. Um, anyway, do you recommend it? I do. Uh, it takes a lot to get into. Uh, you got to be patient with it. Uh, but but it is. Uh, I think it's worth the journey. I absolutely fucking loved this album. If Marquee Moon was a few minutes shorter, it would be perfect. <laughs> it just I, cut a little bit off the guitar solo, and it's a perfect album. Um, if you are a guitar player, you need to hear this. If you're a drummer, you need to hear this. Um, if and, you're a Talking Heads fan, you definitely need to hear this, because and, you can hear... They took some ideas and, yeah, yeah. and fleshed them out later on. And I'm sure Byrne influenced Verlaine as well. They, I, I'm sure he did. You know, they started. So, the, they put out their first albums the same year. They're both based in New York. I'm sure they knew each other and bounced ideas off of each other. I'm sure they saw each other play at CBGBs. Yeah, right. So there, there was definitely a mutual influence. And I don't want to, you know downplay fred smith the bassist he was he's great as well if you're a bass player you want to check him out um the musicianship the the writing on this is just stunning and i love how and and this is also a note with burn how a voice that is not traditionally good 
can be perfect. Yeah. Anyway, that's it for Marky Moon. Until next time, speaking of a perfect untraditional voice, when we'll be reviewing Doolittle by Pixies. Oh, wow. Speaking of follow-up. bands these guys influenced. Until then, of course, always remember, never forget, wherever you go in life, there you are. There you are.